Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the preaching of the past couple of Sundays, we have heard God's word on the professions of the potter and the goldsmith as, as metaphors, which the Lord reveals more by which the Lord reveals more about Himself. And in this way, our knowledge of God becomes clearer, better, and richer, so that we love and we serve Him in a better and more informed way. Now, text this morning, God reveals another metaphor, namely that of a physician or a medical doctor. Now, this is not the first time in Scripture that we see our Lord working as a doctor. Already in Exodus 15, verse 26, the Lord says that He is the one who will heal His people. And throughout the history of His people, He continues to heal people. He uses His servants like Elijah to perform miraculous healings, physical healings, but also spiritually. He makes His people sing about it like Psalm 103 verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Not to forget Psalm 147 verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And in Isaiah 30 verse 26, the Lord speaks about the day that He binds up the bruises of His people and heals the stroke of their wound. Which shows that God not only heals physically, but also mentally and emotionally and, and spiritually. Now, the Lord also reveals Himself in the New Testament as the great divine physician, especially through His Son, Jesus Christ. And this we saw in the passage that we read, that we read. We've read, Our Lord Jesus heals many sick with various kinds of diseases. And today He does the same. Though it could be that with the current development of medical technology, we experience the healing process somewhat different. Now, to improve our knowledge of God, also in the way that He heals, let us focus this morning on the complete care of our divine physician. The complete care of our divine physician. We'll look at the way He heals and the response to His healing. Congregation, being sick is that much part of our broken life that we somehow accept it, although we often, although often with a grouch. We get a bad cold or get the flu, causing us to stay home from school or work, and then, yeah, then we move on after we feel better. This is just how life is. Quite different from passing illnesses like these, others have to deal with, with sickness on a daily basis, like suffering from migraine headaches, or worse, suffering from chronic conditions like, like cancer or diabetes or arthritis and more. But what do we do with sickness? Initially, we, we try to treat the symptoms with regular medicine or, or that from the natural health shop. But if our condition doesn't improve, or seems to be serious of nature, we go to the doctor or the specialist and follow the recommended treatment. We also pray and ask God to grant us recovery and restoration of our strength and health, 
hoping to resume our normal daily activities as soon as possible. But congregation, how do we understand the place of illness in our life? Why do we get sick? And what if we pray and God does not grant direct healing? Should I just make sure I then rather live a healthier life? No excessive drinking, eating, smoking, rather going to the gym, etc. Or in case of a chronic disease, does it mean that I've, that I've sinned and that now God is punishing me? We have all kinds of thoughts about illness. And maybe there are days that you think, what if the Lord Jesus was still on earth? He might have healed me or, or my sick relative or friend. Didn't Martha express this longing when her brother Lazarus died? You know, when Jesus eventually arrived, she said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We, too, sometimes long desperately for, for a healing miracle to happen. What if the Lord was still on earth? Sure, we believe that the Lord is omnipresent, though we cannot see Him in person. And we believe that the Lord also heals the sick today. And we say this to each other, if it is His will, the illness will eventually disappear be it through the treatment of doctors. But in the meantime, we struggle to accept the illness, to accept also the timing and the way of healing by our divine physician. Why does he, in his complete care, allow some to recover completely from their illness while others remain chronically ill or even worse, die from it? And soon we find ourselves arguing about the best treatment for a specific illness. The one claims that you have to see this doctor or that specialist because he's the best. He or she is the best in Perth. Others say, no, avoid medicine produced by these huge international pharmaceutical companies. They cause more harm than healing. You should use this or that natural medicine or treatment. Some say... Avoid all forms of, of vaccinations. While others desperately plead for, for the complete opposite. Congregation, the question then is, how does faith and trust in our heavenly physician function in our lives and in this medical obsessed society that we live in? How do we line up his medical interventions with my favorite doctor or a style of treatment? Should we not rather simply follow the instruction of James in, in his epistle, chapter 5, verse 13 and 14? Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let they pray with him, over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, faith will save the sick, and the Lord will rise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Is this not the best way to acknowledge the divine physician's sole power to heal? Now, congregation, I'm sure 
that many of you have heard of church and churches and, and groups where this is really the only way of healing. Not only in America and Europe, but also here in Australia, prayer healing ministries have its thousands of supporters. Where the doctrine is simply, if you have enough faith, and you pray with that faith, God will hear you. He may even cause a miracle to happen. And if it doesn't happen, well, sorry, you don't have enough faith. Of course, we we respond skeptically to, to these kinds of ministries. But what is our biblical alternative? Is our response to prayer healing ministries not often than just a repeating of the name of our favorite doctor or treatment? And then unintentionally forget the importance of faith in the healing process? Now I'm not saying that that, that prayer healing ministries are in any way okay. There's a lot of manipulation evidence. And sometimes even deception. But we need to be cautious that we don't speak with two mouths. On the one hand, faith in God's power to heal. But on the other hand, talk and think in such a way that it appears as as if our healing depends on the best medical treatment available. No, beloved, our focus truly needs to be on the Lord as the heavenly physician. And when that is the case, we won't become obsessed with healing as such or judge someone's faith by his recovery. Nowhere did Jesus' apostles teach that if you pray hard and long enough, you will be healed. Neither did they teach that preventive medical treatment is against God's will. The author of our text, Luke, a faithful fellow of Paul, and being a doctor himself, nowhere tried to convey this view. But it's important that we have a good view on how our divine physician completely cares for us and how faith and prayer is part of this. And our text helps us, helps us with this. Because when we see Jesus visiting his hometown synagogue, He read from Isaiah 53, the very known passage that we have heard so many times in this church. And he explained what he read. And from his explanation, it is clear that he was not, first of all, concerned about their their health. Or that they are able to to lead a, a normal life. No, Jesus is looking past the symptoms to, to, to the real cause of the suffering. Because sickness shows that life is broken. Every illness, whether mild or serious, reveals that things are not as they should be. Because sin and death came into this world by man's rebellion. Because of that there is chaos instead of order and peace. Instead of wholeness, there is brokenness and endless Research on medical fields. Being estranged from God the Creator, this world is groaning under His curse. And no one can blame God. Every part of this brokenness in this life is to be blamed on man. Because of man's fall into sin 
and the resulted brokenness, we have no right to accept a life of ease and comfort. To expect that from the Lord. And Satan joins in, as he did from the beginning. And today he sends, or those days he sends his demons to possess people and to make their lives horrible. And so when Jesus applied those verses from Isaiah 53 to himself, he defined their real need as well as his task as divine physician. I'm the one Isaiah spoke about, he says. I'm the one who will restore what's broken in this world, Jesus explains. And healing the sick people, that's just the beginning. It points to what he will restore comprehensively and permanently by his death. When he will reconcile man and God by taking the curse away. And therefore Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In me you have all you need for all kinds of restoration. But most of all, spiritual restoration. With me, Jesus says, the year of grace, the ultimate time of grace has started. My grace is enough for you. You sick. That's what the Lord later said to Paul when he had to accept the thorn in his flesh. My grace, Jesus says, is the best medicine anyone will ever need for physical or spiritual ailments. Beloved, what do you think about Jesus' medical approach? Well, his audience then had a remarkable response. And so we come to the second point, the response to his healing. Congregation, the audience initially reacted with, with appreciation. What a beautiful sermon this carpenter's son could preach on healing. He is indeed a remarkable young man. Some even claim that not long ago, at a wedding, he turned water into wine. And the stories go that he has healed the son of a noble man from Capernaum from a distance while he was in Cana. John 4, verse 46 to 50. Um, 45 to 46 that's quite impressive such a a prayer healer our beloved Jesus looks beyond outward healings and outward appreciations he knows that people love sensational happenings He came to restore his fellow people from their biggest disease, namely disloyalty to the Father and the Son. He also knows the hearts of his own people sitting there in the synagogue in Nazareth, and that they will eventually call to him, Doctor, Doctor. But then with a ridicule say, Heal yourself, Matthew 27 verse 40. When he hangs on the cross later, they will say, you are a useless doctor. But for now, they need to see that he is not just the son of Joseph who healed a few sick people. No, he is most of all the great prophet 
that was promised in Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. And therefore they must recognize him as such in their midst. But they wouldn't. No prophet is accepted in his own country. Which candidate will become a minister in the congregation in which he grew up before his studies? In this they are just like their ancestors who uphold the, the prophets in their midst, resulting in them performing miracles in foreign countries and heal foreigners like Naaman the Syrian. By which Jesus wants to say, if you want to be healed, you better respond to me like the widow of Zarephath responded to Elijah. Or Naaman responded to Elijah, as we have read. You will only be restored when you believe that I am the Savior and the physician the prophet Isaiah spoke about. And congregation, their response was just as Jesus predicted. They were so offended to be compared to a Syrian or to a widow in the, in, in the, in the heathen country, in the pagan country, that, they, that in their fury, in their anger, they tried to kill Jesus. But when they tried to push him down over the cliff, his divine power prevented them from succeeding. The divine physician can't be hindered or, nor stopped in his call to restore people. And Jesus left them there at the cliff to continue his healing ministry. Jesus continued to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy the next Sabbath when he restored the life of a demon-possessed man. And what was then the response? Well, the demons, their response to Jesus' surgical move was intense fear mixed with anger and frustration. They knew that they had no choice but to return to, the old, to their old address, Hell Street number 1. And the response of the audience? Well, they were astonished and amazed. And it appears that the Capernaum congregation was more receptive of the gospel than those in Nazareth. Verse 36 shows that they saw the connection between Jesus' preaching with authority and his healing words spoken with authority and power. And Jesus continued, our great physician, after the church service at the coffee show, so, so to speak, at Peter's house, the fever of Peter's mother-in-law had to give way to the great physician. 40 degrees Celsius plus were reduced to 37 degrees in one moment. After standing over her rebuke and rebuking the fever, Dr. Jesus' treatment was so efficient that she had no side effects of the treatment. She could immediately get out of bed and prepare a meal for them. Now, this was so amazing that the people in the house couldn't keep quiet, resulting in a tired preacher healing many after the sun set at the end of the Sabbath and people were allowed to travel. And Dr. Luke, in a few words, describes how the divine physician laid his hands with compassion on them, one by one. And again, the demons had to let go. They had to flee like a simple fever. 
Of course they know Jesus from the days of the fall in paradise and afterwards. And they tried to witness. But Jesus silenced them. Because not a demon, but my father will testify of me by means of his prophets. And so we see the great physician laboring on to fulfill his father's will. Preaching, healing, preaching, healing. And the message of his preaching continually linked to his healing. He's announcing the good news of the coming kingdom. And his miracles reveal the true power of that gospel. Now, congregation, does, does the great physician heal in the same way today? Well, yes and no. Yes, he continues to work out his salvation as prophesied by Isaiah. He gives the things that we need more than anything else. Restoration of heart and soul. When we're joined by Joined to Christ by faith, we receive definite healing from our sin and guilt. But also different. Because our ascended and glorified Lord is not walking anymore from place to place, from town to town, to perform miracles. He is now bodily in heaven. But since Pentecost, He is with us and in us through His Holy Spirit. His work as divine physician has extended over all the earth. Many more Naamans are healed today, physically and spiritually. Yes, even non-believers receive restored health. Not that they acknowledge God, that it comes from God. Many worship the medical technology of our days. But it's all to their own judgment. And although we do not always witness how the Lord restores also physical lives as people, beloved, we should not think that His healing power has become less since His ascension. But, like in Jesus' time on earth, not every sick person in Israel was healed. And the same today. In His sovereign wisdom, the divine physician does not restore the physical health of all the sick, including that of believers. However, congregation, we may confess that he dealt so radically and definitely with sin on the cross that therefore all the consequences, including disease and death, are overcome by him. All healing thus flows from the redemption of Jesus Christ. And us as believers, yes, we may continue to sincerely pray for that too, for healing in faith. James in chapter 5, 13 to 14, indeed gives the appropriate way we may expect restoration, also from illness, from our heavenly physician. Ask your minister, ask your elder to pray for you when you're sick. And that's what we often do in church. And the associated anointing with oil, well, that's optional. In those days, the oil was often of medical nature. But the Lord doesn't depend on oil for healing. At the same token, you could also work healing through the medicine and treatment we take. 
But most important here is, is prayer. Covenantal communication with God. Ongoing. Up to seven times prayer is mentioned in this last part of James' letter. God wants to hear our prayers. No, not, not to convince Him or to demand healing, but to respect Him as the Lord, the giver of life, and to uh, profess that He is near us in every aspect of our lives. Also when we struggle with the results of brokenness in this life, as His children, we may always ask for healing. But when you pray or when the office bearer prays with you, you and he can and must do so in faith. No, the healing does not depend on the faith of him who prays because we do not believe in healing, we believe in God. And praying in faith implies that we can also accept. Accept it if the divine physician does not heal straight away or Maybe not at all. James didn't say, and the prayer of the faith will heal the sick, but save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, if not from his sickbed, then eventually from his grave. But foremost is prayer in faith and trust and in the forgiveness of sins. And beloved, until Christ comes again, this world, including us, will continue to groan. We will continue to groan. And many things will stay broken. When we are sick, we may sometimes get healing and sometimes we won't. In this life, God didn't promise to cure every sick person who prays in faith. We are on our way to perfection. We are not there yet. But we make sure that, and we need to make sure that our faith expectations doesn't turn into demanding expectations. And yet, yet we should pray in faith, trusting that the divine, that the victory of the divine physician on the cross is just as complete as his care for us. And therefore, ask the Lord to grant you healing according to His will, as Paul did in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. And if that happens via medical treatment, acknowledge Him in the first place as the divine physician. Don't worship medicine or the doctor, as King Asa of Judah did by expecting healing only from the doctors. And when God in His wisdom does not grant healing or healing yet, Simply follow the instruction of the Spirit in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And in everything keep to this truth, the care of our heavenly doctor is complete and perfect. You do not just simply have to learn to live with imperfection or just deal with the in illness or simply just getting used to it. 
No, in sincere dependence on your heavenly doctor, trusting him with your whole life, he will bring outcome. Because what Jesus had started to do in his healings, what he has accomplished in his death and resurrection, he will bring to a perfect finish. He will restore all things, even the earth that we live on and the bodies that we inhabit. In the words of Revelation, there will come a day when there are no more tears, no more sorrows, no more pain, no more death, no more doctors. That will be the total restoration, the full salvation we've been waiting for. Transformed bodies, made like Christ's glorious body, permanent freedom from all sin and illness, and will be allowed to dwell in the presence of God forever. Is not this the good news that Jesus came to bring? Amen.